This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. A few nights ago, as I was praying, praying about what I should record and share with you, I sensed the Lord instructing me to talk about peace. I haven't ever spoken on peace, and to be honest, it's an issue I work on regularly to remain at peace in the middle of difficult circumstances. So I asked the Lord to teach me, to give me the words to say. So as I share today, it's as much for me as it is for you. And I felt like God wants me to focus primarily on his word, not what I say or what other people say about it, but What does God have to say about peace? Though first, I want to talk about this word. It's familiar to us, the Hebrew word shalom. And that is a word that is translated as peace, but it has a deeper meaning, a much deeper meaning. Sometimes we can think that peace is merely a lack of conflict. And the word shalom has a deeper meaning. The peace of God is much deeper than just an outward lack of trouble or conflict. It means peace. It also means harmony or wholeness or completeness, welfare, tranquility. It is a peace that is of the heart, a heart that is at rest. And it also is a peace among human beings, a peace of harmony. The Bible tells us to live at harmony with other people. And we need to remember that in music, Two notes are harmonious when they sound good together. It's two different notes. It's not the same note. So we don't have to be the same as everyone around us, but we need to live together well with the people around us, as much as it's up to us. So God's peace is a peace of the heart, a peace that does not depend on circumstances. Several times recently, it's kind of jumped up to me. I've been on Facebook. I don't use Facebook very often, but I go there from time to time to keep up with people. And a few times I've seen someone, one of my friends, post on there a phrase, something like, I'm in my happy place. And then there'll be a picture of what is their favorite place to be, their happy place. One friend, it was a classic picture. You've seen them so many times. They're sitting on a beach and you can see their feet taking a picture of them sort of lounging on a beach, and that's their happy place on a beach at sunset. Another one recently, her happy place was with her grandchild. She's my age and had a little baby resting with her there. She was lying on the sofa, and she was in her happy place. And I thought about how, in these cases, the happy place was dependent upon a circumstance, a physical place that was peaceful on the outside, And then that brought peace to the inside. And then I thought, well, when was Jesus in his happy place? (laughs) Of course, the Bible doesn't talk about it that way. But when was Jesus at rest and unconcerned about the difficult circumstances that surrounded him? He was in a happy place. Well, I do have one place that came to mind, a time when Jesus was in his happy place. (laughs) This is found in Mark chapter 4. When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, 
They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, they were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a great story. Uh, do you think Jesus was in his happy place? <laughs> Sleeping on a cushion in a boat that's about to be swamped and sucked down to the depths? I guess there are a couple of things that I want to pull out of what I just read. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. It was his idea to get in that boat and go. He was leading this trip. He was in charge. And this storm comes up, and the waves are so high that they come over the gunnels of the boat, the side of the boat, and it's almost swamped, and his disciples are quite sure that they're going to drown out in the middle of this lake. And, of course, they ask him, don't you care? (laughs) Of course he cares. Now, what's interesting is Jesus got up. They woke him up. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. I've heard that this phrase that he used is the phrase that a person would say to a dog who was jumping up on him, and you're saying, get down. That's the attitude that Jesus has toward the wind and the waves. It's like telling a dog to get off. That's his attitude towards his creation. And he gave the word, and everything calmed down. And he says to his disciples, why are you afraid? And they remain terrified. (laughs) Now that everything's calm around them, they're still terrified. But Jesus was in his happy place. He was at peace. He was unconcerned about the difficult circumstances that surrounded him. Many people look at this story and think about how it shows his command over creation. But it also shows how peaceful he was. An internal peace that was not dependent on his circumstances. There is a really good lesson there for us. Amen? That we can be at peace. The people of God can be at peace, even when we're quite confident that we'll probably be killed. (laughs) To be at peace, not to be afraid, to have faith, and not be terrified. To recognize that our Lord speaks to creation and rebukes it just as you would tell a dog to be quiet and get down. So now I'll go through some scriptures about peace, the peace of God. I'll say a few things about it, but mostly just want to let the scriptures speak for themselves. The first on my list is something that I've mentioned before from Hebrews chapter 12. I spoke previously about sowing and reaping the harvest, and I'll highlight it again. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God wants us to reap peace. And that means planting seeds in things that are not so pleasant to us. But if we'll let the hard things discipline us, train us, then the result is going to be righteousness, which is right acting, 
and peace and internal rest. External right actions, internal rest. Well, now I'll talk about something that kind of confused me, and I think I have a little better understanding of it now. Maybe this will help. Certainly it'll be familiar to you. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talked about peace. And he said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's talking about peace, and he says that he did not come to bring peace to the earth, but he came to bring a sword. That seems to be in contradiction to other things that he said. But I want to underscore one thing. He said here that he did not come to bring peace to the earth. I'll take him at his word. He did not come to bring peace to the earth. That is this created world. Remember, this earth will pass away. He's actually bringing judgment to this earth. His presence is disruptive, and it causes people to be on one side or the other. And what he's describing is actually quite true. I know a Muslim, an ex-Muslim believer in Turkey, when he became a follower of Jesus, his father tried to kill him a couple of times. Jesus did not bring peace into that family in that sense. There was a sword there, almost literally a sword. Jesus did not come to bring peace to the earth, but he did come to bring peace to individual human hearts. His presence is disruptive and draws a strong line between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this earth, and he wants us all to cross over from death to life. So he's not bringing peace to the earth, but he does bring peace to individual hearts. And we see this in John chapter 14. Jesus says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's beautiful. He says, the Father and I are going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And if you've been listening to my podcasts about covenants, you'll see this is an expression of the new covenant, where in the Old Testament, God promised to give us his divine spirit. And here Jesus says, the Father and I are going to send you the Holy Spirit. And this peace that I leave with you is not the peace that the world would provide. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This peace, this shalom of God, this fullness, this harmony is a gift from God. And we have to be careful not to let our hearts continue to be troubled and not to be fearful. God gives us peace. A little bit later in John chapter 16, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. 
but take heart, I have overcome the world. So here we see a contrast, either in Jesus or in the world. In Jesus, we may have peace. In this world, we will have trouble. But we shouldn't be too concerned about it. We need to take heart because Jesus is overcoming the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So our hearts need not be troubled and we need not be afraid. And he's telling us everything so that we can have peace in him. Romans 5 talks about peace as well. And this is a classic example of a chapter break falling in a pretty bad spot. Whoever made those decisions, sometimes I don't understand exactly why that decision was made because Romans chapter 5 starts with the word, therefore. And therefore means it's a continuation of a thought of some sort. And so why break a chapter right in the middle of a thought? So let's go back into chapter 4 a little bit. I'll pick up at verse 18 in chapter 4. This is where Paul is talking about Abraham and his faith. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding this promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Well, there's so much that can be said and should be said about this passage, but here I want to focus on peace. Abraham believed God, and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And that is true for us as well. We are children of Abraham, those of us who have faith in Jesus, who believe in him. And since we've been justified through faith, not by our works, not by earning anything, just by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. We have peace with God. Amen? That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Think of all the world religions, how people strive and struggle and try to earn salvation or a better life or try to earn God's favor as if they're contending with God or they have to prove themselves or feel like God is demanding things and is against them. But we have peace with God. We have a shalom. We have harmony. 
we have welfare and tranquility with God. We have peace with him through Jesus. Now, I will underscore again, we have this peace with God and we can rejoice in difficulties because difficulties and suffering produces perseverance and character and hope. And those are all really good things. Those are all eternal things. We have peace with God, and we can be happy when we go through hard things. Isn't that something? That is a different kingdom. But remember, as we walk in faith, just as Abraham walked in faith, God is not against us. He's not our enemy. We have peace with him. Next, I want to look at what is surely familiar to you, because you've heard a section of this scripture just before I started talking. Jeremiah chapter 6. You've heard my wife earlier. Uh, That is, for those of you who don't know, that's my wife reading Jeremiah 6.16 at the beginning of this talk. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's go back a little bit in Jeremiah 6. See what the context is there. God is talking to people who are not walking with him. He's trying to set them right, trying to tell them the right way. And starting in verse 13, we read, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. So again, there's a bit of a contrast here. God himself is saying, Everyone, from the least to the greatest, is greedy. Oh boy, I often think about Western culture. There's just so much greed. People desire more and more. And God says, the people are greedy for gain, and the prophets and priests alike, they all practice deceit. They're telling lies. So the people are greedy, and the people who should be representing God to the people, they're not telling the truth. The people are wounded, but they don't treat it like it's a serious wound, this greed, selfishness, hedonism. And these prophets and priests, they say, peace, peace, everything's good, everything's great. But there actually is no peace from God's perspective. And God calls this loathsome conduct, shameful conduct. May God protect you and me from being this kind of person. And God is saying to them, There is no peace for you, but this is how to get peace. This is how you find peace. You stand at the crossroads and you look and you ask me for the ancient paths. And when I tell you, you do it, you walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. Peace is something that we receive as a gift. And peace is something that we walk in. In obedience lies peace. When we walk in the things that God has given us, we will be at peace. Jesus was able to sleep 
in the midst of a murderous storm because, as he said, what I do is what the Father told me to do. And the words that I say aren't my own words. They're the words the Father has given me to say. He was fully obedient, and so he could be at peace. And we read in Isaiah 26, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is the rock eternal. Amen. God will keep you in peace because you trust in him. The scripture from Isaiah is saying we need to trust in the Lord. He is the rock. There is no other. A little earlier in Isaiah, in chapter 9, something that's very familiar to us. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. These are the names of Jesus, the titles of Jesus. A wonderful counselor. God himself, mighty God, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This Messiah will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3 talks about wisdom, wisdom personified as a female, as a woman. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. We need to seek God's wisdom because the wisdom of God is a pathway of peace, is a pathway of harmony and rest and fulfillment. And Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, Be sympathetic, love as brothers, and be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter says we have to seek peace. We have to pursue it. So these three things come to mind as I've spoken about peace. Peace is, first of all, a gift, something that God gives. Peace is also a result. It's a part of a harvest one of righteousness and peace as we allow hardships, discipline, to do their work in us. Peace is a gift, it's a result, and it's also something to be pursued. So in each of these aspects of peace, as a gift, as a result, 
as something to be pursued. We are to be active. We need to receive the gift. If someone offers a gift, our action is to take hold and receive that gift. We don't work for it. If we worked for it, it wouldn't be a gift. It'd be wages. But God's gift of peace is something we need to take hold of. We need to receive it. We also need to be active in this result aspect of peace. We need to be the ones willing to plant those seeds that lead to harvest. And in this case, in Hebrews 12, we need to allow God's loving discipline to do its work within us. We need to plant that seed that later will lead to a harvest of righteousness and peace. And as we just read Peter saying, we need to make an effort to live at peace. We need to seek peace and pursue it. It's not going to come naturally. Peace is something that we really have to work at. We need to be actively receiving the gift, actively allowing God to do his work through the hardships that he allows in our lives. And we need to be actively seeking and pursuing peace. And now, friends, I'll close. And it is God's desire for you. And I pray this for you now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening and God bless you all.